<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. It appears Seska has been genetically altered. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, June 1, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 500 of the Biden-Harris administration, 156 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. Well, it's time again. Cliff Schechter is my go-to guy for lots of politics-related things, but mainly he's the gold standard when it comes to discussing guns and gun control. Jedi Master-level expertise. And so I'm relieved to have him here today to talk about the aftermath of Uvalde and how we start to roll back the gun culture in America. Is there any hope for a legislative solution? I don't think so. Not this year, at least. But we'll see what Cliff has to say about all of that. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notifications bell on his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash cschecter, link in the description. Meantime, please help support this podcast by signing up for our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. If the pandemic was a disaster for your finances, you probably upped the balances on some or all of your credit cards. And if my guess is correct, you're paying the top allowable interest rate on that debt. So why not refinance your cards into a super low interest rate and save a ton of money every month? Here's how to do it with Lightstream. You can roll your cards into one low payment at a fixed rate as low as 4.98% APR with AutoPay and excellent credit. That's way lower than most cards. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and there are absolutely no fees. And just for my listeners, apply now, get a special interest rate discount to save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash seska. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash C-E-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska. You're the expert on this issue. Obviously, we're going to be spending most of uh, this hour talking about guns. uh, And you've been covering this. You've been active in it yourself uh, for quite some time now. So I'm glad we were able to finally make this work out because uh, I have so many questions. I have so many things I want to talk uh, about with you uh, regarding this, regarding everything that's happened in Uvalde and the thing that we're suddenly not talking about, which is the fact that there were, I think, 14 mass shootings over the Memorial Day weekend. That is correct. Um, I was looking actually through all of those, you know, and depending how one defines, you could define, I mean, as if this, you know, in the end makes a difference, you could say there are either nine or 14. I think there's some places that say it has to be three and others say it has to be four. The point is, is that we had a weekend that was three years or five years or more worth in most democracies. Mm-hmm. And like, we're still again, you know, I mean, Uvalde has to be talked about because it was, it was obviously just the worst. I mean, you know, it's it, like what happened in Newtown and Parkland where it's little kids. It's just, I mean, in that many and so senselessly, Yeah. but, but I mean, again, you know, like I started going through them and like, I, I mean, uh, when Marsha Blackburn, you know, the big bag of hair that she is, um, uh, past image consultant and home ec major. And for anybody who thinks I'm being sexist, I'm sorry if any guy had been an image consultant or home ec major. I mean, I used to make fun of Fred Grandy for the fact that he was freaking gopher. And, <laughs> and somehow that somehow that qualified him for a house seat or Sonny Bono. So is this in right. sexist? Stupid people who do stupid things shouldn't be in positions of power. Okay, right. I have to right. say that because right. Corbyn accuses me. Okay, let's get back to the bag of hair. Um, <laughs> she she tweeted out, you know, investigate Hillary Clinton, you know, um, uh, right away. And I just did one of my YouTube videos on it because, like, it's like a performative, like, sort of diarrheal reflex with them. Yeah, yeah. Like they can't. There's there there's no like you know there's no common sense response to any of the real things happening in the real world. Yeah. So they have to have like a form of like, of like fascist threats, you know, mm-hmm. where they just sort of throw out random stupid things. And so she had done that, and it made me look up because I was research doing research for the YouTube, you know, the commentary. Yeah. And and of course, right there in front of me on the same day on March, uh, I'm sorry, on May 28th, on Saturday in, in Chattanooga, downtown Chattanooga and in Memphis, there were, um, there was a mass shooting in each of them. She's got nothing to say about that. Nope. I mean, one state, two of its larger cities in this, on the same day, you know, I mean, yeah. that's America. That's what's going on. And again, like, you know, I can talk, I, I, I moved away. You brought up, how often I, I, you know, was on this subject. It just was something, I mean, I always, 
when it's come to sort of issues of crime and, mm-hmm. and punishment, you you know, obviously the work I did because you helped me and did work with me with the Ohio Innocence Project. Yep. You know, the, the workings of our criminal justice system in a variety of ways has always been one of the kind of key things that I work on. And once I did work with, you know, with Every Town for Gun Safety, Mayor Bloomberg's group, and, and you know, and, and was with them, they were a major client for about five years and all that. This just became one of those things where I, I knew that much more about. So I worked with other groups. I've written a ton about it. And, you know, I have to admit, like anybody else, you burn out on things. We made some changes, which were great. There were some positive things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for a few years there, almost, I, I, it's not that I wasn't talking about it. I still would just not as much, but I feel like this has now kind of brought me back to where, you know, I have this kind of wealth of knowledge from having worked on this for so long, Yeah, you know, and I'm one of the few people I think who can, who speaks about this in this way, who also was a competitive shooter, which Mm -hmm. I was, you know, and we had rifles that weren't things that you could, you know, go around and, and uh, mass shoot people with, they were six shooters and we would, we would, Competing, you know, I did that for five summers up in New Hampshire. Wow. And so I actually, you know, know my way a little bit around guns too, which actually, which lets me know how much more dangerous they are and how the our culture has changed. Cause I can't tell you, you know, this instructor had like the NRA badge and everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember when I was in camp and I was a young kid, this is like the early 80s. And for the history, for people to know, the right wing political forces, the same kinds that created the you know, moral majority in 1978 and all these other right-wing forces that were coming together that have so just destroyed so much about our country. And the NRA was really a group that was about marksmanship and education and the outdoors. And then these right-wing, you know, grifting uh, racist nuts. I mean, literally the guy who Harlan Carter, who took over the new NRA when they had this thing called, ironically, I'm in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati revolt in 1977, because this is where they're, their national meeting was taking place, like the one that just took place in Houston. And they threw out all the moderates. Harlan Carter had actually been charged with murder. Wow. I mean, a, 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 a white guy who, just because a, a kid who is Latino was hanging out near his house, shot him and killed him and got away with it. I mean, that it, it's important because, like, that's the origin story of the new NRA. Yeah after 1977 and so i'll say quickly i don't want to bore people here but by the early the early 80s when i was going to camp you know it takes a while for a new culture to take over so mm-hmm. it hadn't yet it still was about those old things so i so like you know i took these shooting competitions our instructor was so careful about everything with guns taught people to respect them and they were dangerous they need to be locked away yeah when we weren't using them they could never be if they were loaded you ever ever pointed them in anybody's direction you never pointed the gun away from in a direction away from the range and i always tell the story of this one kid i remember his name you know because it had such a, a a sort of strong impact on me once turned around with with a rifle facing towards the audience in the mm-hmm. back it was unloaded this yeah. rifle didn't matter he was kicked off the range for the entire summer and was told that like he would have to go through tests and all sorts of things to be able to be allowed back on they took it seriously because that's what it was about and like so many other parts of the republican party you know this this was an early indicator let's Mm -hmm. just say when these nuts took over because they've systematically taken over every part of the republican party for 40 years now yeah and i'm sure there, there was no delusion among you and your fellow competitors that you required an amendment to the constitution in order to protect the sport that you were engaged in right that's not yes. that's not the point of the second amendment well to me it was to say that every time i took a shot 
it had to be counted as a bullseye, right. no matter where the shot went. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, whatever target I hit, no, dude, none of that talk even existed. And and that's a whole another area, Bob. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't think people understand. I, I I put this on Twitter once too, you know. And this is about education. This is again some of the areas with our messaging and with our investment in infrastructure, we fail on our side. Is I get I, I get very annoyed when I see people saying, you know, repeal the second amendment or, you know, like the the second amendment is the bane of our existence. And my response is like, do you, we have a radical right Supreme court that has rewritten America over the last 20 years by people installed by presidents who lost the popular vote or stole elections. And, um, and my point is just because they say money, corporations are people and money equals speech. Does that make you believe it? No, we no, don't accept that. Absolutely not. Just because in June, uh, I guess we're in June, sometime this month, <laughs> I suppose, when, when sadly Alito's opinion, I think, is set to come out and they overturn Roe versus Wade. Does that make you think that abortion should, was meant to be constitutionally banned in this country? No. no. This is what they're doing. So why do people believe them on guns? Like right, it was right. a laughable concept that anybody had an individual, first of all, just a read well-regulated militia. But mm-hmm. second of all, if you have any understanding of the history of the time, and if you want to do that, take a look at Switzerland, which has never changed from what we were, where they actually have a militia. They don't have a standing army. They, have the, they, they literally have the concept in action of what we meant when we wrote the second amendment. Yeah. And they have these guys get to, you know, have guns and able-bodied men, I'm guessing women at this point too, but guess what? They go through psychological tests and background tests and have to put all this time in on the range. And they've taken guns out of houses, you know, if they think it's even the slightest risk, like when people, you know, all those kind of stuff. So, so again, to get back to the point here, that's what was always meant by this. And the fact of there being an individual right was literally laughed at. Like the town of Tombstone, if you watch old movies, banned guns within the town limits. Yes. You had to give up your gun. Right. That was considered to be constitutional. There were states, and the states there are will shock you. Wyoming, Kentucky, places like that, that banned concealed carry mm-hmm. because they knew somebody carrying a gun, a hidden gun, was a danger by the very nature. Texas banned it at one point of all places. So the point is, like our cult, they hijacked our culture and our historical memory on this issue Yeah, and yeah. turned it into a Go ahead. I've been talking a lot. So jump in. But. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm perfectly happy to listen. That's for sure. But I was going to say, um, Heller seems to be the gigantic fly in the ointment here. But now that Starry Decisis is no longer as sacred as it used to be, what can we do to overturn Heller? Like, what's the process that, that, that will lead us down the road to overturning that awful uh, uh, Scalia-based uh, decision? I mean. We need to do this. Do, yeah, let me try to speak English here. We need to do the same thing <laughs> that, that we, uh, I mean, and that wasn't the other language. I speak French either. That was known as dummy that I was just speaking. Um, but I mean, we, we just need to do the same. There's so many of the problems we're facing in this country could be solved uh, by the same things. Yeah. And again, this is another. Uh, right away, this is another Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema problem, and obviously the biggest mm-hmm. of all being Mitch McConnell, who 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 is a traitor, as Mary Trump likes to call him, the biggest traitor in U.S. history. And I think that's arguably true. I may give Jefferson Davis a slight edge, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. not by a lot. Right, um, and has completely turned our Senate into something it was never meant to be—dysfunctional, where everybody needs sixty votes. But we've we've allowed that 
and now mansions have made it impossible for us to get past that. And the truth of the matter is, is that for every reason, for the reason of good government, but also to depoliticize the court, you know, we've had nine Supreme Court justices now, which appears nowhere in the Constitution, by the way, mm-hmm. that how many there should be. We've had nine of them. I think it's been about 140 years since we upped the number. Yeah. Um, and there are different times in our history where we haven't had a full nine. Most recently, the year that Mitch McConnell wouldn't let us, where we had eight, <laughs> where he wouldn't let Merrick Garland be put on the court. So there's, the, I mean, and we're a country that has grown by how much since then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, just yeah. to do, the, the Supreme Court, just as a functioning body, rejects most cases because they can't they're all like 112 years old to begin with and like they, they can only do so much when there's nine of them i mean the, the thing is that people are like oh let's make it 13 frankly there should be something like 18 or 27 i mean they should double or triple the, the damn size of the court mm-hmm. add a lot more justices it would depoliticize it so every time one justice changed it wouldn't be like the end of the world you know the way it is with with the lower number and and, and what you would have then is that you, you you might have a Supreme Court then that sits down and looks at what the law was meant to be, what it was understood, as you said, based on precedent for 200 plus years in this country. That I mean, the, you know, the Federalist Societies is created in 19, I want to say 82, 81, somewhere. They invented, they and a couple of right wing nuts invented this concept mm-hmm. out of thin air. Yeah. I mean, again, Justice Berger, right? Warren Berger, who oh, was yeah. a conservative. I mean, was quoted in the, you know, I think it was in the 80s as saying that the NRA's, you know, claim that it was, uh, that there was an individual right was the single biggest fraud perpetrated against the American people. I mean, that was how strongly he felt about it. It doesn't exist. And anybody who's even an honest conservative would look at that and tell you it doesn't exist. If you, if you, from every bit of evidence, from what they wrote to the times they were in and all, all of that. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is that if you look at how it was written, the, the whole point of it was that the federal government could call up state units to protect the country because we didn't have a standing army. And they didn't want to allow the federal government to say, well, we're going to call up state units, but we're not going to arm them. Mm-hmm. So it was to make sure that state militias that, you know, which we now call the National Guard, by the way, yep. well-regulated ones, as in the National Guard, <laughs> if they were federalized, would be armed properly if they were going to go into a fight. Mm-hmm. It didn't even say anything about states. So the truth of the matter is, is that the state of New York or the state of Ohio, or where do you live? You live in Maryland? I Maryland, believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could look, as the Constitution says, it right now could say, we're banning all guns, and they could actually do it, mm-hmm. based upon what the founders thought. Yeah, yeah. You can argue with that if you want. But the point is, is that it, it only said the federal government couldn't ban them for a well-regulated militia. That's it said right. nothing about the states, mm-hmm. you know, and they've taken this whole thing. You know, we were we tracked very closely in polling. I mean, if you watch what Canada just did, they just instituted a handgun freeze where they're no longer selling, no longer allowing the importation, the selling or any of this stuff because because some of our violence is spilling across their border. Mm-hmm. And they're not too happy about it. I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Do you think there's a congressional solution this year? I don't think there, there is. is. And in fact, yeah, I've I mean, been you see strong majorities for background checks now and assault weapons bans. I'm I'm going to I'll take it a few steps further. Yeah. Back in like the 60s and 70s, if you look at polling um, we had like between 60 and 70 percent, sometimes north of 70 percent support for, for handgun bans in this country. You know, we, we, it was blocked. We banned some guns. There was some stuff. So my point is, 
we've only become this outlier since the NRA and the Republican Party mm-hmm. got became radicalized. We were very similar in our progression forward on regulating guns as the rest of the world until yeah. we took this, you know, which you would find on healthcare and all sorts of things until what happened, you know, in the 70s and 80s, we took this detour to the far right because because of the all the money put in these fake right wing, you know, quote unquote think tanks and media organizations and propaganda and garbage and all the rest to, to convince people of things that don't exist. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been pretty skeptical lately since Uvalde. I think that's signified a changeover in my point of view in terms of what can actually get done. And one of the things I keep thinking about is that we're acting as though a better argument in favor of gun control, like rational gun control measures, will actually change how Republicans vote on those things. The point of getting maybe an additional 10 Republicans to line up to uh, right. block a filibuster. and uh, But the reality is the Republicans are paid handsomely to vote with the gun lobby, and that's not going to change unless private money is removed from politics. So uh, that seems to be the major roadblock in passing anything nationally. And I there's don't think two. there's any way to overcome that, is there? Well, yeah, well, there's two major roadblocks. Yeah. Um, and one of them it, one of them is the right-wing money that's that's given to them. Mm-hmm. by the forces. It's not just everybody says the NRA. I mean, the NRA certainly is a huge problem. They've been greatly weakened since, you know, they started hanging out with Russian spies and laundering Russian money. And Wayne LaPierre needed 57,000 pairs of shoes that he charged, you know, membership fees for and his own yacht. And I mean, their image is taking a huge hit. But the Koch brothers, who are libertarian gun nuts and other yeah. far right, you know, forces, uh, Mercers and Thiel and, you know, whatever. Um, so, so, it is the money. But the second part, which people forget to talk about, I wrote a piece of the New Republic on this, I want to say a couple of years ago, wow. is, pe- it is, is the radicalization. And that's what people don't realize mm-hmm. is beyond the money part. They've convinced, you know, the Russian Limbaugh's and every mini Limbaugh, you know, in each state and city around the country and Fox News and Sinclair and all their propaganda outlets online and everything have so radicalized opinion on the right on this yeah. and turned guns to such a thing where so that you if you speak about them in any way that's even slightly moderate you're in danger of losing a primary oh yeah so that's also the problem it's not just the money it's their party and what they've done to it mm-hmm. through their entertainment complex yeah i just yep. i i have such a hard time at this point believing that anything is going to get done this year here's what's most upsetting to me cliff about all of this is yeah, we've got these roadblocks at the congressional level with these well-paid Republicans who are in the back pockets, all the, uh, the the gun lobbyists. But at the same time, we've got a large group of uh, American voters who are going to go to the polls this year voting because of inflation or gas prices, something along those lines, while at the same time horrified at what happens with uh, children getting gunned down in schools more and more routinely. These two things are in conflict with each other as far as I'm concerned. There are millions of people who are going to go vote based on gas prices and fuck you, Joe Biden, or whatever, but mainly it's like, okay, we're upset with how things look. We're not very satisfied with the job Joe Biden's doing. 
doing. Uh, gas prices are too high. So, you know, screw doing anything to help the children and getting guns off the streets and maybe uh, reducing the number of mass shootings in this country in elementary schools especially. Screw that. We want a short-term fix for gas prices. That, to me is like you were we were mentioning two things that are blocking rational legislation on this and the third one i think would have to go to the laps of uh so many american voters who are going to be deciding who to vote for voting for uh, Republicans in the back pockets of gun lobbies because uh, they're they're paying five dollars a gallon of the gas pump. That's <laughs> just it's, it's so right. immensely but, frustrating to me. But again, you know, some of that has to fall on us. Yeah, you know, I mean, some of that, and and by us, I mean different parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you know, I'll bring up the thing I always have brought up. You, you know, Media Matters is awesome, yeah. right? Center yeah. for American Progress. And there's other, I mean, it's not to say there is no infrastructure on the left, but when you compare it, there was, I mean, look back to the 40s, 50s, 60s, there was nothing on the right. Yeah. And they created all of this stuff. They funded all of it, the Coors family, you know, and the Bradleys and the Cokes, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, they, they you know, they, the, they got behind and put together this behemoth to push out their garbage Yeah, and guns are only one way. I mean, it has put us, you know, they're, they're more recently, there were internal memos that have come out where oil companies, executives and people were discussing climate change in the late fifties. Yep. They, they knew about it then. They knew about it in the 60s. They knew it was happening. They didn't know. I don't think knew it would happen this as badly or as quickly as it did, but they knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. And yet still, you know, for years, these guys have been able uh, to, to fund these complete – I don't remember if I can curse on your show. So yeah. Oh, yes, I? you can. Oh, yes. These utter yeah. bullshit organizations <laughs> that, that provide no value to society and literally just pump out absolute shit that is not so it, it's on climate change it's on women's rights it's oh, yeah. on yeah. you know they, they 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 do all this stuff and our response is to do something within a media cycle and i know because i'm a pr guy and i'm and i'm mm-hmm. happy to fight work with some of these organizations where we when we you know we do something we create a video or we have a campaign and we do whatever but to not have put out organizations funded the way they are that can reach tv that can reach media that concentrate on that stuff that's the first thing and the second thing is the timidity yeah you know i mean i'll just say i've been a big you know i've for the most part biden defender mm-hmm. and uh, I wrote ads for him. So full disclosure, of course, right. I never worked for him as a, as a staffer, but I was a consultant. I wrote ads for his campaign whatever, but I will say like, I gotta tell you after all this, when I hear him refer to McConnell and Cornyn as reasonable people, it enrages me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me less likely to go out and vote and nobody, and anybody who has that reaction, who's listening, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, it's old because school politics. Won, it's nineties politics. Norm- yeah. We have a party of normal people who isn't tough who isn't tough enough and should be tougher. And then we have a party of crazy people. You vote for the party mm-hmm. of normal people who are do, trying to do good things. The COVID bill Biden passed, the infrastructure bill that he helped get done, all these things have been I mean, what they've done for this country is incredible. Yeah. And what we would be suffering under. I mean, we, we all realize the damage done by the disappearance of the child tax credit. Now imagine that it had, it had never existed. It wouldn't have. But so I don't want I mean, I feel like I have to sit here and defend Biden because I think he's done a bunch of incredible things. But the messaging on our side, I mean, you know, you can say I'm sitting down with Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn and we're negotiating. We're talking about after Uvalde. 
and uh, and and I appreciate the leaders, you know, Republican leaders' willingness to sit down with me. You can say that without using the word reasonable while we're trying to point out that these people are not reasonable, that they are destroying our democracy. And it frustrates me to no end because on the other side, you've got they're calling us Marxist, communist, this, that, the other thing. And that's where you get to the message. Is that a lot of the people that we are talking about, if they were to hear every day, if we were to do what some of our younger, tougher folks who I wish would be put in control of messaging are doing, Ruben Gallego, who responded to what happened near Valde by telling Ted Cruz to shut the fuck up and calling him a fucking baby killer on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Sometimes that language is necessary in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. They do it all the damn time. And sometimes Ruben Gallego, Eric Swalwell, some of the people on our side, they get it. Yeah. They, they tend to be Gen X on down to Beto. understand yeah. that. Yeah. Beto is another perfect example that understand that this, you know, Stacey Abrams, right? This is not freaking Ronald Reagan, you know, Ronald Reagan for all of the fact that he was a right wing nut. Yeah. He, he at least was pleasant on the surface. This is not the, 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 the party that, that, you know, where you had like half the Republican Senate caucus who was pro-choice at the time. It's not a party of like, Mark Hatfield and like John Chafee and yeah. Jim Jeffords and people like that. This is, this is a, a different beast. And so, and we're also in a different time where you communicate differently. And this old guard who I'd say are some of the best legislators and I would give them credit to the end of time for how talented they are there do not seem to get it. That if the other side every day through these new forms of media are putting out these conspiracies about us. We're drinking the blood of babies. We're doing this. We're doing that. Putting out and, and saying how evil we are, calling us groomers. Mm-hmm. And our response is, "You're reasonable. You're this. You're yeah, that. And yeah. We're not, we're not pointing out to our. Then we're going to lose because what's going to happen is that uh, that person you're talking about has not been told again okay. and again that Republicans are the reason why we don't have gun regulations. That all but four of them. Yeah. Well, all but four of Democrats. It's kind of perfectly uh, symmetrical." All but four Democrats voted for background checks in 2013 after Newtown, whereas on the opposite side of the ledger, only four, all but four Republicans voted against it. And we don't point this out constantly. So that person who's like, well, Marsha Blackburn just tweeted out that the gas is really high. And I don't think anybody can end the thing with guns because the media is telling me it's everybody fighting in Washington and nobody's you know, told me that's the Republicans' fault. Mm. That's why we lose a lot of these people. You can't reason with anyone who's smearing themselves in shit and wearing tissue boxes on their feet. It's just not going to work. Right. Is there some sort of dominant polling floating around Democratic circles that says, oh yeah, voters really want Democratic politics politicians to reach uh, across the aisle, to uh, play nice with the Republicans, to seek bipartisan solutions. Is there like independents or maybe moderate Democrats who are really dominating the polling and saying that you have to act this way? Or is this just part of Democratic nature that we regard the Republicans as, uh, I don't know, as colleagues rather than you know, poop smearing weirdos who scream racist things on a regular basis and want guns for everybody. What's the so it's, hang it's up sort here? of two things at the same time would yeah. be my analysis. Okay. One is, as you, you just pointed out, yeah, because polling says all sorts of things. And you know mm. when Mitch McConnell sort of I mean, he is he's evil as fuck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he gets how voters work. And when he what he realized years ago is is people say they want certain things, but they're not going to vote on them 
unless the, unless you scare the shit out of them about them. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I remember he once said, you know, campaign finance reform was, you know, was com- comparable to, to, to what, uh, like it's, it, it was as, uh, it was as popular as what? I'm trying to remember what it was. I don't know. Like, I don't remember. Static cling, something like that. I don't know. I think that's what he said. Seriously. I think Jesus. he said that. Wow, that's and awful. The, the truth is, if you tell most people, do you want to get money out of politics? Of course they will. Yeah. But if nobody, but, but because that sounds good, just like if you say to most people, do you want Democrats to get along with Republicans? I'm like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, I'd like Democrats to get along with Republicans if there were a normal Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I wish we had a functioning democracy. People don't inherently sit there and wish for, for you know, people to, to have to be vicious to other people. Like, so it's this surface level polling, you know, where you get these, these nice fluffy answers, you know, just the way everybody says, I hate negative campaigning and it works on everybody, yeah. you know, like, it, so that's the first thing is that they've realized that all that stuff doesn't matter. That what matters is what motivates people to vote. And that is your base emotions. That is fear, lust, hate, you know, there's negative ones. There's positive ones, right? Optimism can do it and love can do it. And, you know, okay. So that's the first part of it. Mm-hmm. And the second part of it is, uh, I think it's that polling that our people still just can't seem to grasp. And then there's the fact that, again, and I'm trying to be careful here because I don't want to be like, become one of these people attacking the Democratic Party. Because that's not, you know, who I, even when I think. Yeah, we're not, we're doing not it, necessarily doing that. We're just trying to figure but, things out here. You know, but, but our messaging sucks. And most our leaders are all like 80 years old <laughs> and do not understand the fucking world that we now exist in. Mm-hmm. And we've got these 30 somethings, 40 somethings, 50 somethings. Hell, these days, even early 60s is young in politics right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. these days i guess forever mm-hmm. and like there are people because that still makes you gen x these days or close to it like there are people that get that that's the you know that we're you know up against a different opponent than they were up against in the 80s and even the 90s you know uh, hell even the early 2000s bush almost seems downright congenial c- compared <laughs> to these people you know um and and that there's different and that there are other ways to make, communicate this message so you don't just say you know when John Ervosis and I did the the podcast, you know, um, that it, unprecedented, like he used to joke about it, come on and about an organization he consulted for. And he's like, well, why aren't you messaging me this today? And he's like, well, we sent out a press release. And you're like, are you absolutely fucking kidding me? <laughs> like they drive the message home. Yeah. They're sending, they're sending out tweets and then they're going on YouTube shows and then they're going on Fox news and they're sending their crazy messages to Alex Jones. And they're, and they're I mean, they're making sure that it's hitting all parts of their media mm-hmm. simultaneously. Cause people, if you want to, you know, as a PR person, when people see something, one thing, one place, they go, Oh, okay. And they may not even notice, but they may notice yeah. second time. You start to notice a little more like, huh, that's uh, now I'm starting to see, but third, fourth, whatever, it starts getting hammered in. That's why repetition is so important and in different outlets. And we don't have people doing that. Look, go look on Twitter and go look at leading Republicans, you know, people that have run for president or whatever, your Ted Cruz's, your whatever, calling us Marxists and this and that baby killers and whatever. Now go find Democrats doing the same thing. Oh, you yeah. Won't. yeah, no. You'll find no. an angry Ruben Gallego here and there, Eric Swalwell. You'll find a couple people on our side who've realized that that may not be the world that we want to exist in. I wish it were a friendly world. I wish Republicans are reasonable. I wish we weren't trying to destroy our democracy, but that's not the world we live in. You know, or if we don't, we've got six months now, we've got less. 
And if we don't drive home the message on abortion, on guns, on their economic destruction due to ignoring COVID, and it may be too late on that because we let that one pass the time and it may be out of mm-hmm. people's historical memory. If we don't drive home these messages, their coup, which also may be out of people. I mean, that depends somewhat on what the January 6th committee does in their live hearings. Um, but, you know, or whether Fulton County actually indicts Trump. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, things that could happen. Sure. You know, and uh, and if, if if those things happen and we drive those messages, I'm completely confident that we can win in the midterms. But if we sit here and let them define this whole thing by Biden's weak, Biden has dementia, inflation, gas is really expensive and all the shit they repeat constantly while denying any responsibility. I mean, today, the, the newest one uh, that they were throwing out on, on guns is is Laura Ingram claiming it may yeah. be due to, to people smoking pot. Reefer so madness, got, yeah. Right. We've got reefer madness. We've got door control. We've got God out of schools. We've got fathers out of homes, even though, you know, between them, Newt Gingrich, Rudy Giuliani, and, and uh, Trump have probably had a baker's dozen of wives. But okay, let's throw that aside for a second. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like, you know, like, like we have all these sort of usual bullshit excuses they come up with plus a couple new ones added in and where are we saying no it's not any of that it's you mm-hmm. it's you who voted against what 40 other countries have done you i mean you you know this bob you lived in hawaii oh, yeah. hawaii is the only state where you know whenever they try to say well there's still shootings in california and i have to respond like yeah because there's never been a thing called smuggling and it's really hard to buy guns in a place like tennessee and put them in the back of your car and drive them into fucking california new york right, <laughs> right. well the only place you can't do that is hawaii mm. which makes it a useful place to look at in terms of and of course they have one of the lowest levels of gun ownership in the country and their gun violence compared to the rest of this country is almost non-existent yeah. And uh, I mean, there's so much evidence out there. The 1930s, when the mob, you know, became infamous when they were, you know, during prohibition, when when the, the Tommy gun, as it was called, was the, the, the weapon of choice. We actually put in, in in the 1930s, you know, a national gun control bill that that basically did to machine guns what we should do with most guns. I mean, you got to get like fingerprinted, background checked, permits. You have to go through some hugely long waiting period. You have to like you have to go through so much to get your hands on a machine gun that basically nobody does. Okay, unlike some podcasts, we have a couple of commercial breaks in our shows like this one, but here's the best way to listen to The Bob Seska Show without all of those commercials. Just go right now to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Scroll down to the link for the ultimate edition of the podcast and sign up for just $15 per month. In exchange for your generous support, we'll give you a completely commercial-free version of the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday shows and the Shadow Docket Show will be included as part of the audio file. In other words, one mega show with a free portion and the shadow docket combined, exactly how it's recorded on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and no commercials, and that now includes Wednesdays. But wait, there's more things. You'll also get the Friday After Party podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson included in that level of support, all for just $15 per month. That's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So... What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny. Whenever we bring up these arguments, well, I always hear, uh, well, cars kill a lot of people, Bob. And I figure... Yeah, oh, fine, let's go with that. Let's start regulating firearms and gun owners the way we regulate cars and drivers in this country. At you least know, start there, for God's sake. Right, like once the, the former lobbyist who had to quit because of all the corruption, and I think he got in a fight with LaPierre, I don't know, maybe one of them was stealing more than the other, but Chris mm-hmm. Cox, the lobbyist for the, and uh, one of the chief lobbyists for the NRA for a long time, wrote some piece like that bullshit piece where he opened that door where he said, we should have concealed carry reciprocity, which means every state has to respect concealed carry licenses from other states. So whatever the lowest common denominator is, the rest of us have to suffer from it. Yeah. And they were pushing that. That was one of the first things I worked on where we actually beat them on the Senate floor back in 2009. I want to say for the first time in five years, that was our first big victory against them. And that still hasn't been passed to this day. So I consider that to be a victory because there'd be a lot more deaths. And that's what this is about, is about saving lives. In any case, he wrote this piece for the Daily Caller. And so you'll laugh. The only piece I ever wrote in my life for the Daily Caller, there was a guy debate on Tom Hartman's show back then who was an editor there. And I went and said, why don't you give me a space to respond? Mm -hmm. Which after that, by the way, they would never let me write for the Daily Caller again. Um, because <laughs> I, I'm sorry if this sounds arrogant, but I ripped the living shit. I'm like, so you're now making the comparison. You're saying, well, state licenses for cars, we respect them in all 50 states. Why wouldn't we do the same? I'm like, oh, so you want to open the car argument? Okay, <laughs> let's jump through that. Yeah. Why don't we? I'm like, cool. Why don't we do background checks, psychological tests? Well, first of all, why don't we do at the very least what you have to do to get a car, which is to prove you know how to actually drive one, take a written test, you know, have somebody do, do, do you know, go through all these tests and then you get a license, which mm-hmm. also can be taken away uh, for abusing it, whatever. Why don't we make you that? But, oh, but you have to, you, you have to register your car. Let's register all guns. That sounds like a great idea, Chris. Let's do that. And, and, you know, and I said, you, we, we, uh, you have to have a picture in a database that we can run against criminal, you know, photos. Good. Let's do that. You, hey, you know, and I started going through all the things you have to do for a car. And I'm like, hey, you remember how when we wanted to lessen traffic fatalities that hit their high point in the 70s, we added, we, we added, uh, uh, airbags and required seat belts and baby, you know, and, and the, like baby chairs and, you know, and made them tougher, like a little kid seats and, oh, and how we, we started cracking down and random checks for drunk driving on the road. And we held bartenders actually responsible. They saw someone was drunk off their ass and apply all that to guns. Now let's arrest the guy in the gun store who sees somebody come in and knows they're fucking nuts and sells them a gun. Anyhow, let's put that person in prison. Why don't we do random stops on the road? And we'll check and see if you have illegal guns in your car. 
You know, like I started applying all of his logic. And of course, you know, it wasn't hard to make him look like the fool he is. Tra the, the, that's the, the, that frankly is the perfect example because you could use smoking too, but there's other ones. But we decided the level of fatalities on our roads was growing and unacceptable. And so we decided that we were going to change the culture around it, how we talked about it. Drunk driving suddenly was no longer funny in movies and TV shows, you know, um, like we, we, we did, we did these things to change the culture and change the laws. And I mean, I'd have to look exactly. It's gone down something like 60%. The fatalities, mm -hmm. we, we made a public health effort all around using science and it worked. Yeah. And it's the exact same thing we could do with guns if we wanted to. Oh yeah. The exact same thing. Along those lines, uh, you uh, said earlier in the show that you've worked with Mike Bloomberg on this before, and he has yep. spent a lot of money uh, pushing for gun control measures across the country. But we haven't yet seen in America the same kind of pushback against gun culture as we did with the pushback against big tobacco and cigarettes. And one of the things I've been talking about for the last week or so is maybe we need to do that. How do we get people like Mike Bloomberg and other uh, pro-gun control financiers to pump a couple of decades worth of financing into doing this whole series of television commercials. I'm not talking about internet videos because those tend to nope. speak to the chorus instead of to a broader audience. What we want to do is get people who don't follow politics 24-7. What we want That's to do right. is, is target the culture. Country radio. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, here you. I would want to do TV, but I want to do radio. I'd want to reach out in every way possible. And you're right. Again, that's one of the big things that frustrates me because that's what these right-wing think tanks did mm -hmm. with the culture in some of these things. And you're exactly right. I mean, you know, drunk driving or driving accidents is one way, but smoking is a great example. Yeah. I mean, you can look back and you can trace it on TV, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there've been, there's been a little pushback, you know, in the other direction where like, I think to be contrarian, right? Like if you watch Better Call Saul, Kim like smokes, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I mean, there's been some, I'm not gonna say that it's disappeared, right? But it became something where instead of the cool person doing it, you were the person that everybody wanted to avoid. Yeah. It, you were the one that smelled like shit. And you were the one who, you know, put smoke in our lungs. And you and I are old enough, Bob, because I know I was going oh, to yeah. college in the mid 90s, going into bars in Philadelphia that literally I couldn't see people 10 feet away. I could barely breathe. There was so much smoke. <laughs> yeah. And I was partly responsible for that. I mean, I smoked for 17 years. But now when I go around and I see a grown up smoking a cigarette in public, it's sort of like my reaction is, what's wrong with you? Don't you know? Haven't you read the news? We turned it from cool into gauche is what we did. <laughs> yeah. We did. I mean, we, yeah. we turned into something where to, to think you're cool and we turned into something you should be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should do with this. Any public carrying of guns, whether whether concealed or open, I mean, open carry should just is, is a form of intimidation that attacks the First Amendment and how it ha that should be banned in all 50 states to begin with. OK, but let's let, like not get into that in the real world. When we're talking about culture and changing it. 
It's that we should be making, we should be having these public announcements. I mean, you see this stuff, you know, you watch these ads and I know it's still in some states more than others because I grew up in New York City. And so everybody can hate me listening here because I'm a Yankees fan. By the way, my dad grew up in the Bronx. I didn't just root for them because they won, but okay. Um, and mm-hmm. you'll, I'll still see those commercials where they'll like have somebody putting the, you know, the thing up to their neck. I can't think what that's called because they can't speak because their, their, their throat essentially has been taken out because of, of having throat cancer. Yeah. Like they still show, they show those kinds of ads. That's what I'm talking about here. Ads with people who are maimed ads with people who are, you know, do an ad showing these, this guy we've seen this story and who has to make these little special coffins for kids <sighs> at, uh, from Uvalde. Yeah, I mean, sh- you know, like yeah, it is. And most people, normal people, not right wing gun nuts, and we're never going to win them anyhow. So who fuck cares about them? Mm-hmm. Normal people will be horrified by that. Yeah. Get that on TV. Get that. I mean, and I, I disagree with you slightly. I mean, digital is growing. So no, I don't want to, I, I don't want to target. Well, it shouldn't be exclusively you know, digital. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, oh, of course. Absolutely not exclusively digital. But at this point, enough people, sadly, who are, who are uh, older are using Facebook and certain things where, you know, I, I want billboards. I want I want mobile billboards. Fuck it. I want skywriting. I want TV. I want radio. I want digital. I want public relations events uh, you know, that are being held anywhere. Turn turn carrying a gun into something that's gross. Turn leaving an unlocked gun in your home into something that's gross and embarrassing. And if somebody else finds out, you'll be ashamed. Shame is a powerful weapon. And it worked on, with smoking and it worked with drunk driving. It's not to say these things don't exist anymore. It's just to say that public health, you know, is about what it's about. It's about saving lives. You know, like you're never going to stop 100% of anything. But can you imagine? I mean, other gun-owning countries, you know, and I point this out a lot, we're on our own when it comes to democracies. We're fucking nuts mm-hmm. because we, there's nobody like us. But there are, there are, two, there are two models out there uh, when it comes to, to high-income democracies. So the model that just says, fuck you, nobody's owning a gun. And, and in, individual ownership is too dangerous. And so we're going to make you jump through so many hoops that sure, there'll be some of you that can jump through all of them and end up getting a gun, but we're going to make it almost impossible. That would be the two, two best examples that come to mind are the United Kingdom and Japan, where gun ownership is, is just virtually it's virtually non-existent. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then there, and then there are countries like us, um, but have decided that they're, that, you know what, not, not some second amendment bullshit, but just said, Hey, people should have some right to gun ownership, but we should regulate the living fuck out of it because we're going to let people own a dangerous weapon that, that can kill people. We're going to act like advanced, an advanced society that has access to science would act, which is we're going to use everything at our disposal to keep that weapon out of the hands of anybody, whether they be violently mentally ill or a terrorist or, or a criminal or anything. We're going to keep it out of their hands. Anybody's committed domestic abuse or anything like that. And, and, you know, and we're also going to say that anything that is too powerful that can kill too many people too quickly is going to be removed from society. And we're going to find the right balance. And frankly, I was going to mention Canada and they just took another step in that direction with the handgun. Uh, stopping the importing and, and selling of handguns in Canada, Switzerland, parts yep. of Scandinavia, the, you know, Sweden, Norway, they all allow gun ownership. They all have not banned them in the way Japan or whatever, but they have made it so they are, you know, that well-regulated society where you can own a gun, but, but you know, you're looking at yearly psych tests, you know, a background check you have to pass where not only are you, it's not a background check, like, hey, have you ever, like ours, when people even say background checks here, it's not the same thing as it is there. Ours is just, you know, have you had to be involuntarily committed somewhere 
um, or, uh, or, or have you uh, broken the law? Mm-hmm. And those, these other places, it's, you know, do you have a propensity towards violence? They go and they speak to num- numerous references, you know, family members, teachers, you know, former coaches, people like that. They, could, they do a full psych evaluation on you. They make you spend God knows how many hours on the range proving you know how to use the damn thing. To get a concealed carry permit and carry it outside of the home is virtually impossible and is even that much of a higher bar to clear. And very few people are able to do it in those countries. Open carry does not exist. Um, you know, they, and, and I could add more and more assault weapons are banned. You know, magazines with more than however many, 10, 8, 10 bullets are banned. I mean, they have, they have allowed gun ownership. They have said, you're going to find the balance where you can own a gun, but we're going to regulate the living shit out of it. And of course, registered guns, licenses, blah, blah, blah. And when you do all that, um, and you also have culture campaigns like the one we're talking about that make owning a gun a not cool thing, you end up getting what we, you get in Canada, where it's just a country where gun ownership exists, people have them, and they have one eighth of the gun violence we have. God, you know, Cliff, I, I, I feel like as we cover this issue, I feel like in addition to this cultural campaign that we're talking about here, I almost feel like on top of that, we need to educate <laughs> educate voters in terms of what's a priority and what's not a priority. What's yes. worth voting on? Like what issues are worthy to decide your vote upon and what issues are temporary that won't be solved by voting for the other party. I mean, I'm going back to what I was saying earlier about uh, people voting on gas prices, which is well, inevitably going to happen. I don't want to cut you off, but use jujitsu too. Yeah, I mean, again, of course. I, I brought Marsha Blackburn. She put that out there and, and be like, well, uh, you know, it's pretty easy if you want to message it. Vladimir Putin is the one who caused this with his attack of the Ukraine. And you all supported him. And here's all your statements. Here's Rand Paul delivering a message to him. Here's all of you going and sick of you, you fucking sycophants sitting before him on our Independence Day on the 4th of July, eight months after he attacked our country during an election, mm-hmm. cyber attacked our country. Here's Donald Trump's little chummy relationship with him, bowing down to him in Finland. Here's, I mean, we could do all that and be like, and he's the, his attack is the reason that gas prices are this high. Yeah. Yeah. But again, who's delivering that message? Where are they? Yeah, I know. I know. I just, I feel like the, the message is simple. Electing a Republican Congress will not change gas prices at all ever. Right. But electing a Republican Congress will make sure that uh, guns continue it's to proliferate in this Children country. Children will be shot yeah. in school and, exactly. that you're, you're, and that your daughter will lose all of her rights and yeah. that you'll be yeah. told who you're allowed to love and who you're not allowed to love and that the environment will continue to rapidly deteriorate and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it, yeah. We've got disciples of Donald Trump making ridiculous decisions, and that's a given. Like, for example, Trump said classroom doors should be lockable from the inside uh, during his NRA speech. Of course, the shooter in Uvalde locked himself inside a classroom and shot all the kids inside. Uh, this, this was Donald Trump's solution to have more of that and people are going, yeah, let's do, let's go vote for that guy again. Let's vote for his uh, allies and uh, co-conspirators in Congress. Well, let's do that this time around. And it's a given. We know that's going to happen. The thing that drives me batshit are people who ought to know better, who aren't Trump disciples, and yet will go into a voting booth, if they go in at all, 
and say, yeah, maybe it's the Republicans' turn this time around. I don't know. R, 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 right down their ballot. Yeah. And that's it drives me fucking crazy. But, but And that's also, again, because you have to remember, and I, I tried to point people to this after that sort of, you know, after that huge fuck up in Virginia where we allowed Glenn Youngkin to oh, get yeah. elected. Yeah. And my point was, you know what? Not everybody comes off like Donald Trump. Some do. Ted Cruz does, Rand Paul. I mean, you can run against some of the Republican personalities because some of them are such unbelievable assholes, you know, uh, that, and they're in swing states where you can beat them. Okay. But Glenn Young can remind me of, of the, the particular asshole who step, who's finishing up his second Senate term and stepping down here, who's been nothing but a fucking coward for 12 years, Senator Rob Portman, who comes off as, as a likable wasp. You know, mm-hmm. he always in his well-dressed and his nice uh, uh, button-down shirt and he's friendly. And if you, I've met him once or twice in the past before a lot of this stuff, acts like a perfectly nice guy, doesn't insult anybody and whatever. But if you haven't destroyed the Republican brand then and you haven't pointed out that just because he's Republican, he's going to put more guns in people's hands that want to kill your kids. He's going to make sure that your kids can't love who they want to love, you know, and all these other things. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to fail because if you try to compare him to Donald Trump, nobody's going to believe that Rob Portman's Donald Trump. Just like nobody believed that Glenn Youngkin was. You needed to indict the Republican Party and indict their ideology. And that takes us back to earlier why I get angry when I hear somebody say, oh, Mitch McConnell's reasonable. Stop saying that shit. <laughs> no, I you know, know what I mean. That they're not reasonable. Their party no. is not reasonable. Their party position is that women should have to get back alley abortions and die. Their party position is that guns are more important than kids' lives. They are not fucking reasonable. Yeah, and they're sitting down right now because Mitch McConnell wants to make sure he wins the Senate. And I promise you, the reason he is sitting down right now, and they're talking to each other, is because they saw what happened and they saw the, the sort of. what they had to do to quell the outbreak of like, you know, of angry people after Parkland in Florida. Yeah. And if you look back, a good model to look back at is what Rick Scott did. He was governor, he's running for Senator and he knew he was going to have to give in on a few things. So they gave in on the bullshit things. Not, I shouldn't say that there are things that will save lives and help, but they gave in on the things to make it look like they did something without doing the most important things. Like they, they raised the age from 18 to 21. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what part of what these guys end up doing. Um, they all, and, and that's good, right? But that's like one of 1,000 things that you need to do. They also, I believe, passed a red flag law. That's hugely important too. Yeah. Of course, even the devil's in the details there because with certain red, you know, a red flag law is if somebody's acting in a way that is scaring the people around them and saying things, uh, you know, threatening violence on Facebook, you take their guns away. Well, some states have it where the authorities can go and they're taking your guns away. Other states, I mean, this is so laughable, it's ridiculous. The red flag law says, okay, you have to give your guns now because you're saying crazy shit, but you, have to, you can come and voluntarily turn them in because mm-hmm. that's what somebody's going to do who's threatening to kill people on Facebook. You know what I mean? So like if there are laws where law enforcement can go take somebody's guns and where they raise it from 18 to 21, that's great. And I'm not saying, you know, we need to, everything saves lives, but McConnell's calculating the least he can do to make it look like he's reasonable right now to not lose suburban women and other groups. And that, you know, so everybody should understand what's going on right now. It doesn't mean you should vote against it. If it's going to save people's lives, it means you do what Republicans do when the infrastructure bill is good for them. They vote for it. And then the next day they're calling us communists again. Yeah. One of the big differences between Republicans and Democrats is I I think I I should say actually liberals and conservatives is that conservatives kind of see the world as it is. 
and liberals kind of see the world as they would like it to become. And I think the same holds for Democrats viewing Republicans. I think a lot of Democrats, and maybe Joe Biden falls into this category, I'm not sure, but they see the Republicans as not what they are, but what they want the Republicans to be. And I think if we started playing under the assumption... It's called West Wing Syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, I think (laughs) if we start seeing the Republicans for who they are... Uh, we can better push back against them. And here's another example of Republicans doing what they do. I'm rewinding 50 years for this example because it's only gotten worse in the subsequent 50 years. But you go back to Watergate. Nixon and the committee to reelect the president authorized the Watergate break-in while Richard Nixon was 18 points ahead of McGovern in the polls. There was no way the Democrats were going to win that presidential election, and yet Nixon went all out, pulled out all yep. the stops in, with all of the rat-fucking and dirty tricks, and that's the way the Republicans play. Even when, when they're, they're winning, ahead. yeah. They, when they're, they're way they're ahead. beating you by 20 points, they want to beat you by 30. Yeah, exactly. So I think if we start to proceed with our politics against the Republicans with that in mind, rather than, well, maybe this time they'll see the light. Maybe this time they'll be shaken out of their torpor and come around on some sort of background checks bill or something like that, and uh, we'll be able to get something done. No, nothing is going to get done. Nothing is going to get done at that level because we've got a 50-50 Senate and there's not going to be 10 Republicans who are going to be reasonable enough. I swear to God. And uh, that's why no, I you're think right. we, and, we and need to redirect. Yeah. Even if there are 10 Republicans reasonable enough to pass like the one or two things I said, mm-hmm. again, it doesn't change anything in terms of how you should speak about them. Because yeah, it, yeah. it, we should learn this lesson from them, which is, you know, like with the infrastructure bill, like take what they'll give you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you refuse to do bipartisanship. A, it looks good because people do on that on that bullshit polling level believe, oh, it's nice. Look, they're sitting down with the other side. Um, but also, the infrastructure bill was good. There's bridges. There's two bridges that are structurally unsound that I have to use around here that now are getting funded. It needed to be done. It created jobs. It was economic development. It was good. So if these assholes come back and they say, well, we'll raise it age from eighteen to twenty-one and do a red flag law. I'm just throwing out whatever. Take it, mm-hmm. vote for it, and then next day go out and call them child killers. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Like mm-hmm. you, That's what they do to us. Exactly. It doesn't mean that, okay, they voted for this, so so now we, we have to say nice things about them and say, oh, my God, they're reasonable and they're trying to – no. Take what they give you. Vote for the things because you don't do, – we're not them. We're not evil. We're not going to vote against things that will save even some lives so we have an issue – Vote for the things, you know, even raising the age from 18 to 21 will save some lives. Red flag laws will save some lives. Vote for it. And then go to the next same point out they won't pass background checks so terrorists and criminals can still get their hands on guns because they're completely okay with, with your children dying. Done. Mm-hmm. Why Democrats cannot fucking do that? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know either. You know, it's and- really easy. There's an old line by a, a, a Southern senator, and again, this offend people, so I'll apologize at a time, who was talking about lobbyists and said, you know, if you can't drink their whiskey, okay, this is the part that might offend. I apologize to the women <laughs> listening, but if you can't drink their whiskey and screw the women and still vote against them, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> and right. to, to me, it's sort 
it, it's it's sort of the equivalent of if you can't sit down with Republicans one day when they're when they're offering something that is in the interest of your constituents and vote for it, and then go out the next day and call them rat fucking you know evil motherfuckers who are taking away women's rights and are destroying our environment and hate gay people and blah blah blah, then you, you don't you shouldn't be there. Yeah, I because mean, that's what the job requires these yeah, days. Yeah, in meantime, the DC press is uh, genuflecting in at the the feet of uh, John Cornyn and Mitch McConnell for agreeing to try to work with Democrats on coming up with some sort of legislation and they forget, and I'm talking about the D.C. press, they forget that the Republicans will absolutely, whatever Cornyn comes up with the Democrats, whatever they come up with, it's going to get filibustered by the Republicans because that's how the Republicans work. They're paid to do it. Ted Cruz is paid to filibuster any gun control laws and he's going to bring everyone else in the caucus with him, maybe except for John Cornyn. What I'm saying, though, is if McConnell is part of this, that means McConnell has determined that he needs to at least to win the Senate in certain states. They need to to win certain constituencies. They need to pretend and seem like they're in favor of gun control. So, you know, so in that case, what I'm saying is they'll pick the two things that that take the least amount of money away from their contributors like rick scott did in florida and i'm saying even if they don't filibuster let's say they join 10 republicans join with us say yep we're gonna we've looked at it we agree the age has to be raised from 18 to 21 which won't address most of this but might save a few lives what i'm saying is we have to be able to say if they do that okay we'll vote for that and then the next day go out and say they're they're child killers anyhow that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Because we won't do we because do you have to be able to work with them when you need to work with them when it's in your benefit to work with them and then go out and understand the way the media environment works today and the way our primaries work today and you need to go out and kick the wind shit out of them the next day rhetorically and call them the same names or worse they're calling you anyhow that's the way it works before we uh wrap up here today cliff i want to get to uh maybe the most shocking non-gun related story of the last week or so and that's the revelations that donald trump wanted mike pence to be hanged during the insurrection i am astonished by this story i'm also astonished by the fact that it's not getting more coverage but Please I haven't tell. even seen it. That's how little coverage it's getting. It, it is shocking. A sitting president with 15 days still left to go in his term wanted an insurrectionist mob to murder the vice president on Capitol Hill and was disappointed when Secret Service whisked him away. We have not just Mark Meadows' testimony confirming this, but two other witnesses Please tell me the 1-6 committee has uh, planned for Mark Meadows to testify about this during one of the two prime time sets of hearings. Please well, let again, that be that, the case. They, a, they'd better. And yeah. B, again, why are there only two? Yeah. Why I aren't know. we doing it for weeks? They should all be prime time. Yeah. It should be literally, uh, we we should Benghazi this shit. Yeah. It seems I mean, like, you, you know what? You're so fucking right about that. There shouldn't just be two primetime sets of hearings. I'm so glad you said that. Because Every night why are the they pull, Why do they pull their punches? Why are they pulling their punches? Again, this is what we do that drives me up a fucking wall. So I hope they have meadows on them. But again, this should be weeks and weeks of this shit. Yeah. They should have to beg us to stop, you know, because in the end, like, it's all there. And once it all comes out, as you're saying right now, we've all learned many times before. There's no bottom for Trump. Yeah, there's no bottom. I mean, he is a a sick fucking sociopath. So I mean, nothing. It doesn't surprise me. I just hadn't seen it yet. 
<laughs> that he wanted him to be hanged. But it doesn't surprise me at all because he takes the slightest. This is a guy who where Brian Kemp agreed with him on 99% of things and tried to help him win in Georgia and stood there by him and did everything he could for him. But the minute he wouldn't, after the election, break the law and say, you know, and say that uh, the election was stolen and, and you know, we're going to refuse to send electoral votes and try to start a fucking, you know, insurrection in Georgia, then Brian Kemp no longer was a good Trump soldier and he turned against him and he supported a primary opponent. No. That is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a lunatic. Yeah. But is. again, if we don't tell people these things, they won't know. Right. I didn't know just now, but at least I'd be reading after I got off the phone with you and I'd find this. Most people will not. Yeah. Our mistake is often thinking that everyone's on Twitter like we are. Yes. And what I try to do is I try to, at least sometimes, at least when I when it occurs to me, I try to imagine you know, someone who just goes to work and drives their kids to soccer practice in the afternoon, stops by the grocery store to pick up some stuff and then goes home and watches uh, reality television or whatever. Maybe they vote during, uh, maybe they vote every two years or something like that. And it's that person that needs to be the recipient of the message and it's not getting to them. And it's frustrating, especially when you see the kinds of stakes that we're facing right now. And uh, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, we're facing the greatest of all, you know, stakes right now and we need to act like it. We need to act with the urgency. You know, I don't even understand why they were going home for Memorial day. They work half fucking weeks, stay there and keep pounding these assholes until they pass something. Mm-hmm. The media would have had nothing to do except for cover that. I think Chuck Schumer is a is a good man. I think his politics are a little outdated, but I think he's in general he's done a fine job. He's just not the messenger. And I in think, general, I do too. But I, yeah. I, I need somebody tougher there. Yeah, I exactly. need Cory Booker. I need Elizabeth Warren. I, I mean, you know, and I don't even care anymore about. It's not even to me about ideology. Mm-hmm. It's not about whether you come from the center left part of the party, the more left part of the party. It's about it's about having the temperament to get in their fucking faces yeah. when you need to. Yeah, and he just he can't quite sell the toughness. And it's not like he's deliberately trying to look no. weak. It's just not in his DNA. And we need, Correct. like you were saying, I think we need a wartime caucus leader it's, on the exactly. Hill. Yeah. Take that old phrase from uh, Godfather. We, yeah. you know, we need a you know a wartime consigliere. Exactly right. We need somebody who can yeah. who can step into that breach. You know, it was somebody who it steps in and their reaction when Mitch McConnell throws a punch is to fucking whirl around and roundhouse him to the fucking chin. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this all, I mean, this all rhetorically, folks, by the way, in case anybody was going to get me wrong here and think I'm advocating violence, which I am not. I'm just saying we need the people that, again, you know, it, it is almost like a, a, an old mob movie. Yeah. We need you uh-huh. to be able to sit there, you know, and talk nicely to their face. You know, and then when Hyman Roth leaves the room, you fucking kill him. That's right. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, that's what we're talking about here. This is what needs to be done. Work with them when they're willing to work with you. They want to raise the age from 18 to 21. They may come out just then, as you said, filibuster everything and do nothing. That wouldn't surprise me either. But if McConnell's red polling that makes them think he has to do something, they'll pick the one or two things they think hurt their guys the least to make them look good and they'll do them. And if they do that, and then so Democrats spend a week tripping over themselves to congratulate them and say how great Mitch McConnell is, I'm going to fucking gouge my eyes out. Okay. Yeah. Vote for the damn thing and then turn around and call him a baby killer the next day. Cause that's what he is. Exactly. This, uh, 
racist, toxic fan base that seems to be not just pursuing Star Wars, but Star Wars seems to be the most high-profile one. But it's oh, also, you see, you see it in Marvel, you see it with DC, you see it with Star yep. Trek, you see it with Lord of the Rings. These uh, racist fanboys. These toxic loser fucking yeah, incel men exactly. who are a subset of who, you know, like the gamers, same deal. Yep. This subset of men who love all this stuff and love all this stuff because they can't get within 20 feet of a woman. Um, <laughs> as opposed to just, you know, like the people that fucking William Shatner made fun of on that famous Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You, have you ever kissed a girl? That's them. And, well, and, and yeah, wearing yeah. Like the Spock ears and shit. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, that's a subset. And they hate women because they're completely inept around them and they hate other races. And, you know, they get, they, they get drawn off and they are the ones, it's like the young, sometimes Arabic males who get radicalized into some of these, you know, terrorist groups in the Middle East. It's the same thing here. These young alienated tend to be working class or poor white guys who feel like they've failed, you know, with women and whenever they need to blame somebody, they failed in the, in society, they feel powerless. So it's easier to blame other races and other genders and other religions. And they're recruited by these neo-Nazi types. And yes, we've seen it with what's her name uh, uh, from uh, Obi-Wan, which don't tell me anything because I haven't seen Obi-Wan yet. Okay. Um, but, but like, uh, was it Mo- Moses Ingram? I think? Moses Ingram. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm uh, sorry. I didn't want to get the name wrong. I mean, I'm so glad that you know, Ewan McGregor, who seems to be a terrific human being, put a video out supporting her and basically saying to them they weren't real fans. And, you know, I think in the strongest language he could say, he probably wanted to say, fuck you, but I think he knew Disney would get kind of pissed. Um, you know, I, I mean, what to say about them? I'm a fan of all that stuff like you. I love all that stuff. Yeah. You know, at four o'clock today, my kids just got off from school. We're off to see uh, Top Gun Maverick, you know, like you oh, we're we're, we're, you know, we, we're, we do all these kinds of things and uh, it doesn't mean you have to turn into these types of people. So every time you see them and everywhere you see them, when they behave this way, call them out. Yeah. That's the best thing I could say. Yeah. And I, I think a large part of it has to do with the existence of social media as well. Oh, of course. Uh, I was mentioning on the Stephanie Miller show this morning, which I don't think I've said publicly before, which is that sometimes I think the existence of free speech in this country becomes... <laughs> an obligation for some people rather than an option for yes. some people. So, so, oh yeah, I've got free speech here. So therefore I should blurt all of my awful racist trolling all over the internet. Why? Well, because I can, and I'm availing myself. But you know what? Actually that segues nicely with the, the gun debate. Well, because there's this second amendment, that means I should own all of these firearms. Not that it's optional if I want to, uh, or need it for whatever purpose it's, Oh, because this is here, I have to do it in order to protect uh, myself against the big government or against the alcohol, tobacco and firearms agency or, you know, whatever. Again, I think there's just a lot of these people that feel powerless and they come from same subsets of people Mm -hmm. and they can't. The internet, you know, the existence of social media gives them this power to say whatever they want, you know, and feel like people are listening, which in most cases, nobody is. Mm -hmm. You're like a fucking bot with like three fake followers and nobody is listening to what you're saying, but they feel like it gives them a power. They feel like guns give them a power. I mean, it's all coming from the same place and Republicans, Fox News, the whole thing plays to that grievance because that's the only way they can win elections. Okay, my friend. Well, well how, how can uh, how can people find your YouTube channel and your videos? All right. Well, you should all come and subscribe. Every single one of you. Yes. Um, please. Uh, uh, no, it's actually it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, 
I'm really enjoying this. So I do a few commentaries a day. It's, it's, you know, youtube.com and then slash my first initial C and then my last name Schechter. So gotcha. C as in Cliff and then S C H E C T E R, which hopefully Bob will throw up somewhere there where you guys can yeah. see it. Subscribe. Link in the description. Yeah. Yeah. If you like what I do here and the kinds of things I say, it's a couple of videos of me pointing out what, what butter fucking ball brains the Republicans are, what meatheads they are. What I mean, that's, most of it is just the, is really breaking down, you know, important issues, but also the insanity of those that push things like door control as solutions. So fucking stupid. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by and uh, keep fighting the fight. Will do. Thanks for having me, buddy. Take care. We'll talk to you next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.